Hello and welcome to season three of The Prime Actor with me, comedian, actress, writer, Maddie Anholt. And me, Young People's Agent, Rhiannon Mossin. In The Prime Actor, we bring you an all-access pass to the world of acting, singing, dance, musical theatre and all that's in between. The Prime Actor is sponsored by the Anna Fiorentini Theatre and Film School, an award-winning part-time drama school with branches all over London. Check out their sister company, Stage in the City, who run performing arts courses for adults all over London and online. This week, we're delighted to be joined by hugely talented actress and voiceover artist Maria Louie. Maria played series, series regular Aldona in BBC's BAFTA winning People Just Do Nothing, BBC Three's Coconut, Netflix's White Gold and landed the role of Shelley in EastEnders. Maria has just re-ventured back in, onto set after lockdown and we're talking to her today about how she's dealing with the anxiety slash excitement of slowly going back to work. Hi Maria! Hi! Thanks for, for for chatting to us on this rainy. I don't know what I don't know what day it is. Friday. Thursday. Wishful thinking. Good. Thursday. Good. Oh yeah, because yeah, if it was one Friday. more day, hang in there. Um, <laughs> so we've known each other for very many years, Ooh. and I've watched your career go from freaking strength to strength. And um, mm-hmm. the reason I um, we got in touch is because I saw you tweeted. Um, about your first day back and you were like it felt like (laughs) as with myself included but a lot of actors who are getting booked for their like one two days on set they're like oh my god I need to hold on to it (laughs) please (laughs) honestly the fear um yeah what are you allowed to tell us what the job was um I'm not sure if I can say that at the minute let's 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 leave that it's a it's a channel four drama I can say that I think We'll come okay, back for okay. an exclusive later down the cool. line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and how was it? How was it going back? Uh, it was, yeah, it was amazing. Like, the job kind of came out of nowhere as well. I was in Centre Parks playing Monopoly with my dear friends. And, um, yeah, my agent just called me and he was like, oh, you've, you've been pencilled for this job, kind of without self-taping or auditioning or anything. I was like, that never happens. Mm. And then, um, yeah, like a couple of days later, he called me and I was like, yeah, you got the job. So it was literally like, I don't know, it felt like I didn't really deserve it because I didn't really work for it. But um, yeah, I think it's that thing that actors do, like you are buzzing about the job for the first five seconds and then the fear comes in, which always does for me, especially now in this COVID world where like the first hurdle is testing negative and then once you're in the clear for that, then obviously the fear of kind of like learning the lines, getting it right, taking direction. And this was a very physical role as well, where I was, there was like a stunt person on set as well. So it was just so much to think about. So I feel like I was thrown in the deep end for my first day back. And I hadn't been on a telly set since January. So yeah, it was a stretch. Mm, Yeah. I mean, they, did they make, so they made you take the COVID test first, did they? Yeah, yeah. So um, I had to drive to base get tested and then wait 48 hours to make sure that I was tested negative. Uh, and then, yeah, and then we and then we shot, and I, you have to get tested every week. I mean, crew members get tested twice a week, but because I was only like a um, a day player, as it, as it were, so I only had to get tested once a week. But it was very uncomfortable, like the cotton bud right up your nose, right in the back of your throat. It's really not ideal. And did you, were you expected then to self-isolate in between? Is that the, the kind of way I mean, it it's worked? kind of like the, the unwritten rule of it. Um, I know, for example, my agent was telling me one of his other clients um, was also booked on this TV job, but because they had just recently done an, like a, a soap or something, they didn't have time to, I don't know, there wasn't time in between to retest him or for him to isolate or something like that. So he ended up missing out on the job. Wow. 
um, they didn't tell me to isolate, but I kind of took it upon myself to isolate because I was like, the last thing I want to do, you know, is is then get tested again. And then, I don't know, it was just the, the stress of it all. So I did kind of, yeah, for a week or so, just kept in my little home. And going back, were you like, because I, I also, I think just the same time you did, went back and was like, don't know, I can't remember how to act. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely... Yeah, it's the, I mean, I have that on every job I get. Like, I'm like, I mean, was, I, I turned to the actor. I was like, was I okay? Like, did I say the right lines? And then on the drive back, I was like, oh god, like, the director told me to do this, and I'm pretty sure I did that. And it's like, and you know, when you sit there and you like analyze everything, and I'm like, oh. And then in the end of it, I just you have a gin and tonic, and you have to let it go because you've done what you've done, and whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. you have to trust your instincts. I think sometimes. Hundred percent. Um. And so you, because you, I mean, we, you went to Elra as well. We both trained there. Um, mm-hmm. And you, was your first kind of, I mean, you, you've been working a lot. I remember when you got the Eldona gig um, because that was freaking great. You were great. Um, and that was, that felt to me, I might be completely wrong, but quite soon after drama school, was it? Yeah. I th- yeah. I mean, I, I'm terrible with dates and stuff. It wasn't my first, first job out of drama school. That was uh, a doc. I, I played doctors. I did a couple of um, days on doctors. But I think, yeah, of course, pe- I mean, People Just Do Nothing is still one of my biggest credits because it was this YouTube pilot show that nobody had any expectations mm. for that just absolutely blew up. Like they're now doing a, a feature length film. It's got however many series, you know, it's one BAFTAs. Um, so yeah, it was it was quite soon. I think it was within the year of leaving drama school, which is yeah, that's impressive. Which, that is impressive. Cool. Yes. And Asim Chowdhury, who I just did sport relief with. Oh yes, Asim, what a guy! You gotta love him. <laughs> yeah, was was your hubs? Or was he hubs? Was he hub? He was. Or was yeah? I was gonna say, was he, he like? Was, yeah, he played yeah. my husband. What a guy, though. Seriously, even that, <laughs> the whole gang of people just do nothing though. They're just like you have to like commend the, like, their work ethic as well. You know, mm-hmm. they like wrote this thing, they put it on YouTube, BBC picked it up and they grafted and oh my God, like absolutely bow down to them. They've done such an amazing job. It's such a good show. And that really feeds into like what Maddie and I have spoken to, uh, spoken about quite a lot in the past about creating your own work so that you oh, have yeah, your, yeah. you know, the work and the work that you want to be doing as well. And that's a real exactly. kind of success story of it. It's, I mean, my, I've got no at all claims to anything that big, but I mean, a couple of years ago, I shot some uh, comedy shorts um, with one of my friends. Uh, actually, Maddie, we went for coffee and we chatted, we did. We chatted about it, didn't we? Um, and I don't know, I did like five or six episodes and by sharing those um, comedy sketches with um, casting directors has then led me to have, I mean, I'm not saying that I booked work off the back of it, but it, it opened lots of doors for lots of sitcom auditions and I did book some smaller jobs off the back of it. So you really are in control of, of, of where you go, I think, in mm. life. 100%. And uh, in terms of, um, like, I, I, you do quite a lot of voiceover stuff as well, don't you? Yeah, yeah. This is, sorry, I just dribbled on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> you could have got I me. appreciate uh, it. Trying to, trying to play that cool without choking. Um, yeah, so the voiceover thing just was like the most random thing ever. Like, I speak um, Polish anyway, and I had this, like, really really small time agent when I left drama school and I got like one job a year it was absolutely like just nothing the major and then I don't know like two three years ago I just just signed up for a new show reel voice reel and then I just contacted a couple of agents and I booked this awesome agent who I adore they're called the London Voice Boutique 
Um, and then it kind of just spiraled from there. Like I work really frequently in voiceover and because of lockdown, now I've set up my own little home studio mm -hmm. and it's kind of turned into my little bread and butter stuff, which I just never expected. It's not something that I, you know, left drama school and was like, oh, voiceover. It was just something that I kind of was like, meh, let's give it a go. And then now, you know, it's like, I'm working probably more at the moment because of COVID in voiceover than I am in acting. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of actors who've done that, haven't they? We were talking about that, Ree. Yeah, and you know, the idea of setting up kind of a studio you see everyone sitting underneath a duvet and all sorts. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I am rookie. I had a washing line, two duvets and a mic, and I sweat in there. Like, I'm literally in there in a bikini because it's so hot. It's like a hot box. <laughs> so, yeah, people need to not be overwhelmed about, oh, my God, a studio that's, like, so techie. Like, I could never do that because I was exactly in the same position. In fact, my other half bought me the my microphone as a Christmas present like two years ago because I've been talking about wanting to set up a studio for so long and it was one of those things that just sat in my study and I didn't touch it and then COVID hit and I was like ooh, ooh, need some money and then yeah I just it kind of forced me to do something but yeah you can start from literally a USB mic and a blanket and yeah mm. yeah because there are people I think uh, a mutual friend of ours actually Maria she's got I remember looking on her Instagram and she's made her shed at the back of a garden into this incredible studio <laughs> is it a beach is it a beach hut yes yes and i know I was, exactly who you're talking about i was about. looking at it and i was like epic wow right, well that's great i mean i yeah i literally I do mean, the i do yeah. the duvet job like that's that's all i do <laughs> um and then you think like oh my god maybe i should be i should be doing more stuff like that and i and it's yeah i mean we've spoken at length about compare and despair on this podcast oh never never do that because <laughs> like, cause I remember at the beginning of lockdown I think it was seeing that thing about the, the which is incredible like building the studio in like a kind of beach hut thing and being like oh, yeah maybe I won't do it <laughs> no oh god I know I'm absolutely so guilty of the compare and despair thing but I, I'm getting better but like no you've got to focus on your own thing and you've got to start somewhere do you know what I mean and you build up and then when you get more voiceover clients you get more comfortable you feel a bit more confident then you upgrade your kit slowly and slowly mm -hmm. you don't want to go out there and spend a couple of grand on a like a, a, a like a physical voiceover booth and then you know you realize that your, your heart's not in it you don't really want to do it or you're not getting the work and then you know you've spent all that money I think it's totally fine to just you know be a rookie and build up mm. could we talk about the was it a punch or a slap in EastEnders? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I got punched by Shirley from EastEnders. <laughs> probably just call it a day It was now. the best day ever. <laughs> yeah, it so, was... Talk us through that. Talk us through that for the people who might have missed it. I mean, I don't know if anyone watches EastEnders. Or, I mean, you I watched it for Shirley that because is, you were messaging. You... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you were to Google Shirley from EastEnders, like, uh, her character is just terrifying. Being on set, I was just like, oh, my God, um, so scared. But she's so lovely. Everyone on EastEnders, like, so, so nice. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a great first day on set, getting smashed in the face by Shirley. Um, but, yeah, the whole EastEnders thing, just surreal. Like, because I grew up watching the show and then hanging out in the green room of Danny Dyer and Phil Mitchell, I was just like, like, 16-year-old me was absolutely thrilled for myself. Like, <laughs> being the kind of person going in when there's all these regulars that are people that you know and from, you know, from seeing on screen, was that kind of a first day at school feeling of kind of being oh, the new God, yeah. newbie? Yeah, yeah, totally. But, I mean, they all completely just welcomed me and it was so nice like 
you know, all those regulars, they take the time and the effort, they speak to all the SAs on set, you know, they know all the crew members. I mean, I know they work with them day in, day out, so of course they know the crew members' names, but it's like a personal little family there and it's and it's so nice. You know, I've been on set before where I have felt like just the day player and no one really bothers with you, but in EastEnders, honestly, like, it, I think it's one of my favourite jobs that I've done so far because it was just, I just, you know, it was great. It was, everyone was so nice. I was going to, I mean, I was going to ask you that because you've played some cracking roles. What, what so far has been your favourite one? Do you think it's, do you think it's EastEnders? Oh God, that's a tough one. Um, I think EastEnders, because uh, EastEnders came about, I literally auditioned for like one episode um, and then it turned into like a six month gig where I was like a semi-reg, which was just totally, totally unexpected. And I think, I think that's why it was so amazing because I really got to play on set and I, I don't know, it was that thing like, because I haven't really had that gig yet where I'm like six months filming or six weeks filming, mm. I haven't really had that like, you know, reg regularity of it, if that makes sense. But with EastEnders, it started to feel like that. Like you started to get really comfortable and you started to be like, I don't know, you started to experiment a little bit because usually if you're on a set or you have a filming job for a day or a, or a half day, like there's no time to do that. Do you know what I mean? And even though EastEnders moves really quick and it's like two cameras, like A and B at the same time, multicam, because I was doing it more frequently, I did I did have more time to kind of play, which was really nice. So mm. I think, and it, like I said, the 16-year-old me was buzzing, like to be surrounded by all those like greats in my world. So yeah, I think that's probably my favorite role so far. That's really, I mean, that's a really good point to make about, and something that's probably quite overlooked, I guess, when actors are in training or whatever, that when you get those kind of, because I guess, I mean, we've had this conversation, but like when you come out, it you kind of think like, I mean, I certainly think at Alra we were like, so when's EastEnders gonna call? Like, oh, <laughs> and then, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like nothing happens, but then you do get booked for the those jobs that are two days, three days, a week maybe. But even in that week, it's never really enough. You're like mm. fully aware that it's five days or whatever, and it's gonna probably overrun. But there's no time to do anything and I mean it's amazing to hear that I haven't I think my most is is about is about 10 days but even in that time I would say that wasn't enough for me to kind of feel the ability to kind of play and also I guess it's to do with confidence as well confidence with your environment and the people you're working with oh 100% yeah 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 I think yeah I think you've, you've nailed it there with everything you've said like how can we possibly get comfortable or how can we trust ourselves to play like that when, you know, I'll give you an example. When I was recently filming for this this post-COVID job, uh, we were doing the scene and we ran it, you know, a couple of times. As I said, there's lots of fight involved. So we had the stunt um, coordinator there. And then the director was like, I think she'd probably cry at this moment. <laughs> and I was a bit like, okay, you know, like, <laughs> and, and it was a few lines and I, and I was just like, like, Okay, so it was one of those, I've never had that before on, t on like on a professional TV set before where I had to turn on the works like that quickly and it was so scary. And I just think, you know, and I, I tried to squeeze out a few tears, I tried to do my best, <laughs> but it's such an unnatural environment sometimes, you know, when you're practicing your fight, you know, your fight, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to like physically remember all the steps, remember all of your lines, do it, you know, actually act, and then, you know, try and find that emo that heightened emotion. So yeah, you you only get better with that with experience and time I think personally I don't know and how did you do that how did you manage to they were really great on set actually they I did say to the director I was like um we, we obviously chatted through it and I, I, def I definitely agreed with her that, that 
that that certainly would be a moment where she would kind of um, peak, like peak emotionally. But they were great in giving me some time and space. Like, I can't imagine with extenders they'd give me time to time to prepare to cry because it's just extenders is just so quick. But these guys did give me like some time, a few minutes, and they were just like, it all went quiet on set. They were like, take some time to yourself, and when you're ready, just give us a signal or something. And they, you know, they let me prepare, which really helped. God, that's so that's given me a bit of like stress hearing that. Yeah, yeah, it was really stressful. I'm not gonna lie. Like, and even and like makeup checks, you know, they're like powdering you and spraying your hair. And I was, I they sprayed my hair a different color, so I was getting all of that in my mouth. And I was just like, guys, I'm really trying to find the energy here. Um, so it is such a challenge, and that's like when it, it it's more it's more than just acting. Like it's actually a lot of it is technique sometimes. You know, being able to whatever it is that you need to do in that moment to find that um, emotion. I, I mean, people use methods, some people, I don't know, use previous circumstances or, or whatever, but yeah, you have, kind of have to be prepared sometimes to just find it instantly. Mm. And God, do you yeah. think there's an extra pressure at the moment because there is a sense of, you know, playing catch up for all the months that people have missed filming? You know, people are trying to get the work done now, you, you know, there's so much more work coming through, certainly for breakdowns are kind of much more going on. Did you feel an extra pressure for that, that you felt that kind of things needed to be done quicker or was there a feeling of that um, on set? To be honest, no, not really, not not in that sense. Like I said, they gave, they gave you the time to prepare. I mean, things always move quick on set, but I can't say that the COVID situation like gave me an extra push in that moment, not really, no. Um, because I think this production that I'm working on now was supposed to shoot in March and it's just been pushed mm-hmm. back and I think it's 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 filming for four months or whatever. So I think that, that it has got the time. It's just, everything's just shifted, shifted in the calendar. Yeah. Mm. I mean, castings are coming in, Re. I don't know about you, but I, I've had two this week and they're only commercial ones, but not only, I've said that last time and I got pulled up on it. They are commercial ones. <laughs> they, money, good money. The money but, bags, I mean, come <laughs> on. Money yes. bag but one is filming in Belgium and one is filming in Portugal. And I mean, fine, but the one in, in Belgium was like, they started to pay uh, fees for you to quarantine. So quarantine fees. I think I know the job you're talking yeah. about. Right. And I was like, can I just double check here that your your quarantine fee is five hundred pounds for two for two weeks of me not being able to do anything like that? Mm-mm. But then and then on the flip side, then you get the one in Portugal where they're like, mm, you may have to quarantine on the other side, and the money is amazing. And I'm like, yeah, you know, what? I am so fine with that. Like, I am so <laughs> fine. Yeah. So I mean, the jobs are altering a bit for sure. Um, I don't know. But how do you feel about self tapes? Do you like self-tape, doing self-tapes? Um, I mean, we have to learn to love them because it's definitely the future. Um, I think self-tapes are great in the sense that you uh, cut out the travel costs of going into London if you live outside of London. Um, you're in control of, of what you present and um, you have time to F it up and do it again and again. So obviously there's positives of that. Um, the difficult thing obviously about self-tapes is you are self-directing or if you're lucky, I mean, I do most of my self-tapes with my other half mm-hmm. who would rather be playing COD than self-taping <laughs> with me. So he doesn't really give me any like <laughs> feedback or direction or anything. So I have to self-direct stuff, which I find really, really difficult because I look back at something and I'm like, mm. eh, and I don't know, I nitpick at it. And by the time I've done 15 takes of it, I go with the first two anyway. So 
Mm. It's tricky. You have to get self-disciplined on it, I think. But yeah. it's the future and it's happening more and more. So you've got to learn to love it. We've had some interesting ones for commercials, particularly where the casting director has sent a video and it may be slightly different because mm. it's for children but it's it's given that kind of um sense of what they really are looking for it's not just you know a message through your agent you kind of get that sense of trying it different ways getting the notes from the casting director and obviously that's not in feedback to what you've done but it is it is giving you kind of an even better chance of getting what they're looking for so I, I don't know if you've experienced any like that yet I have I've got two that's like amazing that I wish yeah. I had that no I didn't know that was a thing but maybe may, I haven't experienced that for non not commercials. I've no. only experienced that for commercials. Oh, okay. And and it and it is you're right. We really, like it's it is helpful because sometimes you read what they require, for, especially for like yeah for these kind of, and you're like I don't how am I meant to pull that off? I don't understand what that means. It's like she's driving and she looks over her shoulder and she does this and whatever. And just having someone be like okay, let's break this down. This is what I mean. And then some casting directors are actually acting it out for themselves, acting it out for you. So you're like, right, okay, cool. I can do this. That's so amazing. That's... that's like having someone in the room, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm here for that. I really support that message. Yeah. Like, I would think that would benefit anybody to have that kind of, yeah, direction. Mm. Um, so we've spoken about your a role, your favourite role that you've done. Do you have a dream role that you have yet to do or anything that you're like, oh, God, I would be so happy to be able to do this? Do you know what? I'm just like one of those actors that we're just like so thankful for anything that I'm, like, I'm thrown at <laughs> at the moment, especially in a COVID world. But I think, I don't know if it's necessarily that I've sat there and dreamed about roles. I think for me, it's more of the sort of productions that I want to work mm. in now. I feel like um, I've, I've kind of been lucky because I've not really had any like, looking over my CV, I've not really had like... Um, policewoman too or like doctor or like do you know what I mean like they've all been quite nice named roles they've all been quite like nice guest leads so I think it would be really amazing to progress now onto like off the back of EastEnders to do something a little bit more regular you know mm. my dream would be to like I don't know book a sitcom where I'm like a supporting semi-reg or something like that or or even a drama to to be in like every episode would be epic from mm. here. So I think that's kind of where I'm heading. And my agent seems to agree that that is kind of where my CV is moving. I seem to book more TV than I book theatre. So it's kind of mm. like everything's aligning kind of where it should be. It's just, you know, you know what this industry is like. I had one year where I was auditioning like insane amounts of times, like a couple of times a week I was getting self-tapes. It was great. And then there was a year where I had like one audition every two months. Like mm. it's just it's just how it is sometimes. Mm it's good to um be in the box I call it a box it's a massive box but of tv because I think it is quite easy I think I'm safe to say this because I don't think anyone from my agency will listen but I think I've been put in the box of commercial I book a lot of commercials which is great like I'm not complaining they pay but I do think that sometimes in this industry you're a bit of a cash cow you can be seen as like she'll, mm. she'll bring in the dollar whereas I mean, do you, you, I know that you did these incredible sketches, and um, and we'll link to them. But in terms of your own writing, do you do, do you do a lot of that? Um, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm terrified to do it if I'm honest. But I have, I mean, all the sketches that I've obviously produced, I've written them all, and I have like yeah. another fifteen sketches like piled up somewhere mm. in Celtex. I don't know, Celtex still exists. Yeah. That's what I used to use. <laughs> um, but I haven't, I just haven't really actioned anything. I wrote a short film. Uh, at the back end of last year and that's now in post I wasn't in the film I just wrote and directed it it was only like a little 10 minute thing 
So I definitely have that kind of itch to write, but I think it's a confidence thing for me. I don't know, it'd be mm. great to maybe flesh that out one day when I feel kind of, you know, ready or wanting to do it. I think at the moment, like the home studio voiceover thing is kind of like yeah. on my agenda at the moment. 100%. So that's taking up a lot of my time. I've just done a website. I'm trying to build my client list. So that's kind of where my focus is in this COVID world. But mm. I think writing is definitely something I'd like to pursue um, at some point. But I mean, that's a sensible place for your focus to be because the writing is, I mean, the writing is is great, but um, it de- I think it depends, doesn't it? It depends, like writing for brands seems to me to be the thing that's paying the bills right now. But mm. I mean, aside from like <laughs> being like, yeah, hey, how creative yeah. is that writing for brands? I don't know. I mean, but then again, money's money. <laughs> it is and it is. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It is and it isn't. I mean, I, I d- was speaking to some people in a course that I was running about this and I was like, sometimes you just have to be like, you know what? I'll take the job. It's going to take me three days, but it's going to pay my rent. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, some of the voiceovers that I do, they're not exactly inspiring, but you know, that's like you say, it's the mortgage paid. So whatever. Yeah. And do you have uh, tips for our younger listeners, for the students that we work with? Do you have anything you would kind of, kind of think that you maybe were told that's really stuck with you through your career? Oh, good question. Um, I think, I don't know, a few things, I guess. Um, I think trust your instincts is such a big one because you'll hear so much contradicting stuff from different people. I mean, the mentality, uh, I don't know if Maddie will agree or not, but at our drama school, it was very much like, take what you can. If you have to pack fans and travel the country and (laughs) and miss weddings and funerals to be in plays, do that. But that's really not my vibe anymore. Like maybe when I left drama school, there was that like edge of like must have it, need Mm. it, felt a bit desperate. But as time's gone on, like I feel like I've taken like the pressure off but I've also, I'm, I'm doing better because it's like a bit more concentrated where my energy is going. Like my instincts used to, like, well, not my instincts, but when I left drama school, it was like, right, I need to do this and this, and I need to be at the national and I need to da, 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 da. And I was just like, my time was getting spread over way too many things and I wasn't really getting anywhere with anything. And now like I reflect back and I'm like, well, I want to be a telly actor. I love telly. So now my energy is going into writing to those particular casting directors. Like my CV is like sculpted to have the telly stuff that's more like I'm missing off some things on my CV that Mm. don't, you know, complement that. My showreel complements TV work. Like just trust your instincts where you want to go and put that energy into where you want to be. Don't, you know, don't listen to all that other faff and noise. And that's the other thing. Like you can't, I mean, Twitter can be such a dark hole sometimes. You can go on there and so and so's got this and I'd just like to announce and guys, and I think, some of that can really drag you down sometimes. And I was so guilty of getting, like, really, not from my friends, but, you know, seeing someone that I don't even know of, you know, that has just achieved that. And sometimes it would make me feel a bit like, oh, I'm never going to do that, blah, blah, blah. But I think you really just have to kind of, like, have blinkers on and just look where you're going. And if you look back at six months and you've, you know, you've, you've moved forward from where you were six months ago, then that's, that's really all you can ask for. You're only competing with yourself, I think. That's I love that, what yeah, you just said there. Really good. If you can look back at six months and you've progressed from six months, then you're moving forward. I love it because obviously it's so it's so kind of, of course, why wouldn't you be? But we as actors and performers are always like forging forward all the time and like relentless, exhausting. And we barely ever look back and are like, I've done really well. I've achieved mm. so much. 
like, 100%, 100%, like celebrate the wins is what mm-hmm. I like always say. Like the smallest things, like the fact that you have that audition, the fact that you are taping is huge because people would kill for that opportunity, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and the fact that you got called back or if you email a casting director and they respond to you, that's a win. Like it's the small things. And I think, mm-hmm. and it's those little habits if you can just keep building those little things that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we try yeah. and instill in our students that they should celebrate what what they achieve it's not you know yes not everyone's going to have all the same achievements but they should still feel proud that they have made those achievements and we try and celebrate the jobs that they get you know whether it's a walk-on in a commercial or whether it's a lead in the west end show and because they're all special and they're all going to be you know part of their journey so absolutely mm. And and it's all such a learning curve as well you know like that first day on doctors was like, oh God, I probably learned more on that one day, you know, those seven years ago, whenever it was, than I, you know, than I did for like a, probably a term at drama school because you really learn in the moment, I think. Mm, 100%. Thank you, Maria. That has been, it inspired me anyway. I feel very like, yeah. I mean, I think there's something to, there's really that, that thing about looking back is, is so true. So, so true. And I think quite often I, say this kind of stuff to people and then I never really take on my own advice (laughs) Um, well I'm glad I could do that (laughs) thank you Um, if you have a burning question to ask about the world of acting or agenting the Prime Actor has its own Instagram give us a follow at the Prime Actor podcast we're going to finish each week with a quote to motivate or inspire you and this week is taken from the film Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them it says worrying means you suffer twice I need to listen to that advice (laughs) Mm-hmm. Love that. 100%. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about the Anna Fiorentini Theatre and Film School, then you can head to their website, annafiorentini.com. Thank you, Maria. Thank you for listening. Bye. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Bye. Ciao.